Don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us in the Word of God, beginning with in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 1, beginning at verse 15. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Pua. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this? He demanded. Why have you, why have you allowed the boys to live? The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, the midwives replied. They are more vigorous and have their babies so quickly that we cannot get there in time. So God was good to the midwives, and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, Throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. Verses 15 through 22, Exodus chapter 1. Then Exodus chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? She asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Verses 1 through 10, Exodus chapter 2. Father, we thank you once again for the power, the wisdom, the grace, and the counsel in your word. Thank you for the wonderful and blessed story of faith uh, about Moses, how his father and mother trusted you and came through a situation wonderfully and in a beautiful way. 
thank you, Lord, for the fact that you call us to approach every challenge in our lives with an attitude and a perspective of faith, trusting you, looking to you to be El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough, to be Jehovah Jireh, our provider, Jehovah Rapha, our healer, our King of kings, and our Lord of lords. We thank you and we praise you. Father, more and more, help us to be like Shipra and Pua, bright shining, bright shining and courageous witnesses who boldly stand for life and stand against the tragedy of abortion. Help us to do all that you'd have us to do to help end the tragedy of abortion in our nation and in our world. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Again, I'm Pastor Joseph Parker, and our producer is Isaac Jackson. We do appreciate you being a part of our listening family, and on an ongoing basis, we very much desire and ask that you please pray much for the ministry of the American Family Association, the ministry of American Family Radio, and the ministry of the Hour of Intercession. Your prayers are very much appreciated. We'd like to ask specifically for the uh, prayers for uh, from our listeners. I'll have the privilege of speaking at a pregnancy banquet on the 5th of September in uh, Ocean Springs, uh, Mississippi. It, it will be our privilege to be able to speak. This is for the Promise Lifesavers Dinner, uh, two wonderful pregnancy ministries that function in Gautier, Mississippi and Loosedale, Mississippi, the Promise Pregnancy Ministry. And they have locations in both those towns, Gautier, Mississippi and Loosedale, Mississippi. But their banquet will be September 5th at the Ocean Springs Civic Center in Ocean Springs, Mississippi. The time is 6.30 uh, that evening. If you can come out and be with us, please do. We, we would be honored to get a chance to meet you in person. If you don't think you can make it there, if you'll pray for the event and pray for the Spirit of God to accomplish His perfect will in every heart and in a, the midst of this event, we would very much appreciate that. Again, that's September 5th at the Ocean Springs Civic Center in Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Again, for the, the Promise Pregnancy Ministries, located again in Gautier, Mississippi, and Loosedale, Mississippi. Please come out if you can, but again, please send your prayers if you cannot be with us. I want to take time now specifically to share an article entitled The Dear Parent Letter, and it's an article that reminds you about a wonderful tool that helps inform believers about one of the ways that we can help to save babies in our culture, in our world. Again, the title of the article, The Dear Parent Letter. She called out of the blue. My parents have scheduled for me to get an abortion. The abortion is scheduled for tomorrow. I want to keep my baby. Can you help me? Shay, again, of course, obviously, this is a, a fictitious name for the real, instead of the real person's name. Shay was 17 years old, still in high school and very much dependent on and under the care of her dad and mom. And Shay was desperate. How she got our phone number, why she chose to call us, how she was funneled to us, we don't quite know. The best explanation, it seems, is God's grace, His sovereignty, and the Holy Spirit's guidance and direction. She called and was crying out for help. She lived in another state, literally lived across the country from where our ministry, the American Family Association, is located. Well, what could we do? In considering this situation, Many people in our country don't realize that it's against the law for anyone, a parent, a guardian, a boyfriend, or even a husband, to try to force or coerce an abortion. If a mother is carrying a baby, 
whether she's 14 years old or 34 years old. If she wants to keep her baby, it's against the law for anyone to try to coerce and force her to abort that baby. The law is clearly on the mother's side, no matter how young she may be. We immediately emailed Shay a copy of the Dear Parent letter that same day. We had her cell phone number, and so the following day, after not hearing from her right away, we called her back. We wanted to follow up and check on Shay and see how she was doing. She answered the phone. She stated that she was at the abortion clinic at that very moment. Her mother had brought her. I thought to myself, why didn't you show your mom the letter before you went to the clinic? But I didn't dare share my thoughts with Shay. I encouraged her to still show her mom the letter. We then ended our conversation. Later in the day, Shay called back. I listened to her story as she shared the day's events. She said, we didn't get an abortion. I showed mom and the people at the abortion clinic the letter. The clinic workers let us know that they could not do the abortion in view of my not wanting to have an abortion. Mom was not happy, but the abortion didn't happen. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Shay went on to say, they did an ultrasound on me. We found out that I was carrying twins. Praise God, the Holy Spirit used the courage of a young lady and this simple letter, the dear parent letter, that day to save not just one, but two babies. I would encourage every reader to do this and to do it today. Uh, Google the Dear Parent Letter and the Justice Foundation. Get a copy of the Dear Parent Letter, then read it, then read it again. Then pray and ask the Lord who you should send this letter to, either by email or hard copy. Many people, including parents, pastors, youth pastors, high school principals and high school counselors, just don't know that this is the law. It's also true that many pregnancy clinic employees sometimes and sidewalk counselors and the like may not even know the law in their states as well. Finally, even many persons in law enforcement don't know the law in this matter. I would encourage you to pray about who you should send a copy of this letter to, then send it out, send out at least 12 copies or more to people you know who are in places of influence. If you do this, the Lord will probably use you to save the lives of babies, maybe many many babies. Would you consider doing this? I trust that you will. Again, the title of the article is The Dear Parent Letter. And again, uh, I want to encourage you to, if you Google the Justice Foundation, which is a wonderful legal ministry out of Texas that produced the Dear Parent Letter, but Google the Justice Foundation and go on their website and you can download this uh, resource item along with other resource items um, under their Center Against Forced Abortion um, topic on their website. Again, C-A-F-A for short, but Center Against Forced Abortion, that topic is what you'll click on on the Justice Foundation website. Again, I would encourage you to get a copy of the letter because remember, this is the law in all 50 states that if a mom wants to keep her baby, it's against the law for a dad or a mom a boyfriend or a husband or anyone else to try to force that person to get an abortion. So, sadly, it's true that many times it is tried, it is for it, parents or others sometimes will try to force their daughter or their uh, girlfriend to get an abortion. How tragic that is, but the fact is 
there's something that can be done. And the Dear Parent Letter is a wonderful tool to help inform people legally what's going on with that issue. And remember, God can use all of us in some way or another to help save babies and help prevent abortion as we simply seek to be available vessels. Again, please go to the Justice Foundation. Um, Again, Google the Justice Foundation and uh, click on CAFA, which is short for Center Against Forced Abortions. And you can find this resource item, the Dear Parent Letter, and a number of other letters addressed to other individuals who may be persons who are trying to coerce abortions in different under different circumstances. I hope you'll take the time to do that. Father, thank you for the opportunity you give all of us to be vessels that can use to help stand boldly for life and stand against the tragedy of abortion. Anoint us all afresh with, with the spirit of courage and grace, Lord. Use us more and more just as you use Shipra and Pua to be bold witnesses in all the ways and in all the places you'd have us to be. Help us to know, Lord, that there's so much work to be done to help continue the great work of helping to save the lives of precious babies and come against the tragedy of abortion. Help us to recognize, Lord, just very clearly, your word tells us you shall not murder. Help us to be mindful that, yes, it's certainly a sin, and but you said in your word in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Help us to be mindful, Lord, that we should share the fact that you are a merciful Heavenly Father, a forgiving Heavenly Father that will forgive that sin if a person will repent and ask for forgiveness. But help us to know, Lord, that abortion is never the answer, that There's so many, again, that every life is a precious life. Every life is important with a purpose and a plan. You've given that child. Help us to know, Lord, that you've called us as the church to be bold witnesses for this cause. Help us to be about your business. Help us to do our part to help support pregnancy clinics, to pray for them, to pray for the Spirit of God, to be working through counselors outside of abortion clinics, and help us to pray much for all the things the church is doing and pro-life ministers are doing to help stand for life. Help us to be about your business in these ways. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession. We'll be right back. Thou art with me. 
thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me when I'm beat down, broken. Hold my heart when it's split wide open. Turn these eyes to my soul protector and break the will of this born defector. Cause all I know, all I know is you're my only home. Music of Toby Mac with I Just Need You. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We now reading through the Word of God as we pick up in the book of Judges in the Old Testament. Judges chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Then the people of Ephraim mobilized an army and crossed over the Jordan River to Zaphon. They sent this message to Jephthah. Why didn't you call us to help you fight against the Ammonites? We're going to burn down your house with you in it. Jephthah replied, I summoned you at the beginning of the dispute, but you refused to come. You failed to help us in our struggle against Ammon. So when I realized you weren't coming, I risked my life and went to battle without you. And the Lord gave me victory over the Ammonites. So why have you now come to fight me? The people of Ephraim responded, You men of Gilead are nothing more than fugitives from Ephraim and Manasseh. So Jephthah gathered all the men of Gilead and attacked the men of Ephraim and defeated them. Jephthah captured the shallow crossings of the Jordan River, and whenever a fugitive from Ephraim tried to go back across, the men of Gilead would challenge him, Are you a member of the tribe of Ephraim? They would ask. If the man said, No, I'm not, they would tell him to say, Shibboleth. If he was from Ephraim, he would not say Shibboleth, Sibboleth, because the people from Ephraim cannot pronounce the word correctly. Then they would take him and kill him at the shallow crossings of the Jordan. In all, 42,000 Ephraimites were killed at that time. Jephthah judged Israel for six years. Then, excuse me, Jephthah judged Israel for six years. When he died, he was buried in one of the towns of Gilead. After Jephthah died, Isban from Bethlehem judged Israel. He had 30 sons and 30 daughters. He sent his daughters to marry men outside his clan, and he brought in 30 young women from outside his clan to marry his sons. Isban judged Israel for seven years. When he died, he was buried at Bethlehem. After Isban died, Elon from the tribe of Zebulun judged Israel for ten years. When he died, he was buried at Ajalon in Zebulun. After Elon died, Abdon son of Hillel from Pirathon judged Israel. He had forty sons and thirty grandsons who rode on seventy donkeys. He judged Israel for eight years. When he died, he was buried at Pirathon in Ephraim, in the hill country of the Amalekites. Judges chapter 13. Again the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Philistines, who oppressed them for forty years. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant, 
and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, "Even though you have been unable to save children, excuse me, even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink or eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut." For he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. The woman ran and told her husband, "A man of God appeared to me. He looked like one of God's angels, terrifying to see. I didn't ask where he was from, and he didn't tell me his name. But he told me, 'You will become pregnant and give birth to a son.'" You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food, for your son will be dedicated to God and as a Nazarite from the moment of his birth until the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, saying, "Lord, please let the man of God come back to us again and give us more instructions about this son who is to be born." God answered Manoah's prayer, and the angel of God appeared once again to his wife as she was sitting in the field, but her husband Manoah was not with her. So she quickly ran and told her husband, "The man who appeared to me the other day is here again." Manoah ran back with his wife and asked, "Are you the man who spoke to my wife the other day?" "Yes," he replied, "I am." So Manoah asked him. When your words come true, what kind of rules should govern the boy's life and work? The angel of the Lord replied, "Be sure your wife follows the instructions I gave her. She must not eat grapes or raisins, drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, or eat any forbidden food." Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, "Please stay here until we can prepare a young goat for you to eat." I will stay," the angel of the Lord replied, "but I will not eat anything. However, you may prepare a burnt offering as a sacrifice to the Lord." Manoah didn't realize it was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah asked the angel of the Lord, "What is your name? For when all this comes true, we want to honor you." "Why do you ask my name?" the angel of the Lord replied. It is too wonderful for you to understand. Then Manoah took a young goat and a grain offering and offered it on a rock as a sacrifice to the Lord. And as Manoah and his wife watched, the Lord did an amazing thing. As the flames from the altar shot up toward the sky, the angel of the Lord ascended in the fire. When Manoah and his wife saw this, They fell with their faces to the ground. The angel did not appear again to Manoah and his wife. Manoah finally realized it was the angel of the Lord, and he said to his wife, "We will certainly die, for we have seen God." But his wife said, "If the Lord were going to kill us, he wouldn't have accepted our burnt offering and grain offering. He wouldn't have appeared to us and told us this wonderful thing and done these miracles." When her son was born, she named him Samson, 
And the Lord blessed him as he grew up. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he lived in Mahane Dan, which is located between the towns of Zorah and Eshtaol. Judges chapter 14. One day, when Samson was in Timnah, one of, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, A young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. His father and mother objected. Isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites you could marry? They asked. Why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? But, Sam, but Samson told his father, Get her for me. She looks good to me. His father and mother didn't realize the Lord was at work in this, creating an opportunity to work against the Philistines, who ruled over Israel at that time. As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. At that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat. But he didn't tell his father or mother about it. When Samson arrived in Timnah, he talked with the woman and was very pleased with her. Later, when he returned to Timnah for the wedding, he turned off the path to look at the carcass of the lion, and he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. He scooped some of the honey into his hands and ate it along the way. He also gave some to his father and mother, and they ate it, but he didn't tell them he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. As his father was making final arrangements for the marriage, Samson threw a party at Timnah, as was the custom for elite young men. When the bride's parents saw him, they selected 30 young men from the town to be his companions. Samson said to them, Let me tell you a riddle. If you solve my riddle during these seven days of the celebration, I will give you 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive clothing. But if you can't solve it, then you must give me 35, 30 fine linen robes and 30 sets of festive and 30 sets of festive clothing. All right, they agreed. Let's hear your riddle. So he said, Out of one who eats came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. Three days later, they were still trying to figure it out. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, Entice your husband to explain the riddle for us, for we will burn down your father's house with it. With, excuse me. Or we will burn down your father's house with you in it. Did you invite us to this party just to make us poor? So Samson's wife came to him in tears and said, You don't love me. You hate me. You have given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. I haven't even given the answer to my father or mother, he replied. Why should I tell you? So she cried whenever she was with him and kept it up for the rest of the celebration. At last, on the seventh day, he told 
her the answer because she was tormenting him with her nagging. Then she explained the riddle to the young men. So before sunset of the seventh day, the men of the town came to Samson with their answer. What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? Samson replied, If you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you wouldn't have solved my riddle. Then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. He went down to the town of Ashkelon, killed 30 men, took their belongings, and gave their clothing to the men who had solved his riddle. But Samson was furious about what had happened, and he went back home to live with his father and mother. So his wife was given in marriage to the man who had been Samson's best man at the wedding. Judges chapter 15 Later on, during the wheat harvest, Samson took a young goat as a present to his wife. He said, I'm going into my wife's room to sleep with her, but her father wouldn't let him, wouldn't let him in. I truly thought you must hate her, her father explained, so I gave her in marriage to your best man. But look, her younger sister is even more beautiful than she is. Marry her instead. Samson said, This time I cannot be blamed for everything I am going to do to you, to you Philistines. Then he went out and caught 300 foxes. He tied their tails together in pairs, and he fastened a torch between each and, and he fastened a torch to each pair of tails. Then he lit the torches and let the foxes run through the grain fields of the Philistines. He burned all their grain to the ground, including the sheaves and the uncut grain. He also destroyed their vineyards and olive groves. Who did this? the Philistines demanded. Samson was the reply, because his father-in-law from Timnah gave Samson's wife to be married to his best man. So the Philistines went and got the woman and her father and burned them to death. Because you did this, Samson vowed, I won't rest until I take my revenge on you. So he attacked the Philistines with great fury and killed many of them. Then he went to live in a cave in the rock of Etam. The Philistines retaliated, the Philistines retaliated by setting up camp in Judah and spreading out near the town of Lehi. The men of Judah asked the Philistines, Why are you attacking us? The Philistines replied, We've come to capture Samson. We've come to pay him back for what he did to us. So 3,000 men of Judah went down to get Samson at the cave in the rock of Etam. Verses 1 through 10. Judges chapter 15. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we continue reading through the Word of God. We'll be right back.
the music of Elevation Worship with O Sing. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up in the New Testament, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 1. Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother, his mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew grew larger every day. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across the island of Samothrace, and the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them, one of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord, er, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hope of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. 
They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We are all here! The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said, you and Silas are free to leave, go in peace. But Paul replied, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison, and we are Roman citizens. So now they want us to leave secretly? So now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. When, when the police reported this, the city officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. Acts chapter 17. Paul and Silas then traveled through the towns of Amphipolis and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was Paul's custom, he went to the synagogue's service, and for three Sabbaths in a row, he used the scriptures to reason with the people. He explained the prophecies and proved that the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. He said, This Jesus I'm telling you about is the Messiah. Some of the Jews who listened were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, along with many God-fearing Greek men and quite a few prominent women. 
But some of the Jews were jealous, so they gathered some troublemakers from the marketplace to form a mob and start a riot. They attacked the home of Jason, searching for Paul and Silas so they could drag them out to the crowd. Not finding them there, they dragged out Jason and some of the other believers instead and took them before the city council. Paul and Silas have caused trouble all over the world, they shouted, and now they are here disturbing our city too. And Jason has welcomed them into his home. They are all guilty of treason against Caesar, for they profess a, for they profess allegiance to another king named Jesus. The people of the city, as well as the city council, were thrown into turmoil by these reports. So the officials forced Jason and the other believers to post bond, and then they released them. That very night, the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Verses 1 through 10, Acts chapter 17. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we continue reading through the Word of God. And on an ongoing basis, we continue to encourage you. If you do not have the habit already of reading God's Word every day, and specifically a goal of reading at least three chapters every day, today is a great day, a very fruitful day to begin that habit. Also, we're encouraging every parent listening to make it a goal to have each of your children read th- no, read no less than three chapters out loud to you so that they too would be blessed, strengthened, and encouraged in their faith as well. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Well, as we normally do before we end the broadcast, if you're listening today and you've never made the eternally important decision of inviting Jesus Christ to come into your heart to be the Lord and Savior of your life, Today is a great day to make that very, very important decision. Again, wherever you might be listening from, whether you're listening from home or you might be driving, you might be on the road, you might be a truck driver, you might be in any of a number of different settings. But remember this, no matter who you are, again, the single most important decision in all of life is the decision to ask Christ to come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. If you'd like to make that step, would you simply, from your heart, pray this prayer with us? even now. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came into this world a long, long time ago. You lived, you died on the cross to pay for all my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess, I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, I repent and I turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. You said in your word, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, today I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all my life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Help me, Lord, to read your word every day. Help me, Lord, to pray every day. And help me, Lord, to walk in full 
full obedience to your precious word every day. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we're very much wanting to connect with you and be in touch with you once again. My email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. Please email us. We'd like to share with you some literature and some resources that are going to help you to begin to grow up and grow strong in your new walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Please do email us again that email, joseph at afr.net. Again, joseph at afr.net. If you'd like to get a copy of the article that we shared earlier entitled The Dear Parent Letter, same email. Simply email us and request it, joseph at afr.net. Once again, I wanted to ask you for your prayers. Again, we will be speaking on September 5th in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, at the Ocean Springs Civic Center for the Promise Lifesavers Dinner, their uh, pregnancy ministry banquet. So if you can come out and be with us, that's 6.30 on September 5th at the Ocean Springs Civic Center in Ocean Springs, Mississippi. If you can come out and be with us, please do. If you can't come, please pray much for the event. Pray for God to anoint it and to accomplish His perfect will, to bless and prosper it spiritually, financially, and otherwise, to help strengthen and support the great work of the Promise Pregnancy Ministries that are located in Gaucher, Mississippi, and Loosedale, Mississippi. Thanks for listening. As always, we appreciate you being a part of our listening family. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.